Today, on the 100th episode of our show, I have something special for you, a pitch we've been holding on to for three whole years. This one's been under lock and key because to publish it earlier would have been illegal, against the law. That's right, our show's 100th episode is our most dangerous. That's because on today's show, instead of a startup founder pitching to investors, we have two investors pitching their new venture capital fund. And under federal law, it's illegal to make this pitch public until they successfully raise the money or they completely fail and the whole thing falls apart. Well, one of those things most certainly happened or we wouldn't be here. From Gimlet, I'm Josh Muccio, and this is The Pitch. Let's meet today's potential investors in the fund. I'm Jillian Manis. Jillian is a partner at Structure Capital. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles is with Precursor Ventures. I'm Daniel Galati. Daniel is the founding partner at Forecast Fund. Our 100th episode special is coming up right after this. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. But you're right. Wow. You're right. Jake Chapman and Howie Diamond, as you can hear, know the investors well. Usually Jake and Howie are on the other side of the table taking pitches. In fact, they were on a few of our previous seasons as investors. But today, they're bringing an idea of their own to Jillian, Charles, and Daniel. Howie and Jake are asking them to invest cash in their new VC fund to become what's called a limited partner, or an LP for short, so that Howie and Jake can then invest that cash into startups. All right, we're breaking barriers here. Let it roll, let it roll, boys. This is crazy. So it's a really interesting story because Jake and I met on the pitch. Since then, we've invest- We've looked at tons of deals together. We've gotten to be great friends. I could understand um, that. So I'm kind of creative, more idealistic, look at a lot of contrarian things. Um, Jake kind of pulls me back down to reality sometimes. He's more analytical. And and we, we just started organically um, really vibing together. And we want to join forces and take our compounded learnings that we had from our first funds and apply it to our next fund that we're going to be doing together Wow! called Alpha Bridge Ventures. Cool. We thought that would be a really What's cool the thing thesis? to do. Yeah. So the, the thing that Howie and I first started seeing together is that we were really attracted to companies in the post-seed, pre-A bridge space. And it turned out that those deals were the best deals we invested in like across our portfolio. So they were raising A rounds within six months, much higher valuations. The revenue was growing really quickly in all of those companies. And so, yeah, we saw that trend. We were like, you know, I think if we were to raise a fund tomorrow, we would now raise a fund in the post-seed space. We both had that realization. Okay, the post-seed space. Let's break this down. First, you need to know that the main job of an investor is to get their companies to graduate to the next investment round. 
So for example, angel investors want their companies to move to the seed stage, and the seed stage VC wants their companies to hit Series A. But here's the thing. There's a massive pileup of companies hoping to graduate to the Series A. They've raised seed money, but they can't get to the next stage. So what do those founders do? They have to go back to their previous investors and say, hey, um, do you think you could give us some more money to help bridge us to the Series A? And that isn't exactly music to an investor's ears. But Howie and Jake see it differently. Bridge means something completely different today than it does than it did five, 10 years yeah. ago. There was a negative stigma attached to the term bridge. And now people are calling it post-seed, seed extension, whatever, C2. C2. Yeah, C2. Um, there are companies that are in these bridge rounds that are distressed companies that are looking for uh, an influx of capital to help them resuscitate and get them you know, back on track. However, we started seeing these a small subset of these companies that were doing quite well. They were overperforming against their growth projections. And we started seeing this crazy performance from this particular um, cohort of companies that we were investing in anywhere from like 2X to 2.5X over the course of 12 months from wow. when we invested to Series A. Wow. Like pretty significant. And so we, we kind of proved out the model. We had this hypothesis. We started proving it out. And we were like, why don't we just have a dedicated fund that focuses on this as our core investment strategy? And that's where the sort of impetus of Alpha Bridge Ventures came from. Jake and Howie think they're onto something. But there's another factor that makes investors wary of investing in a bridge. They figure if the company is so great, their previous investors, the insiders, will reinvest and take the entire bridge round. So if the founder is having to ask other outside investors for more money, something must be really wrong. So um, I've always struggled with this. If I'm seeing a seed bridge deal, like why aren't the insiders stepping up? Why am I seeing this? Like as an as a new investor into a bridge, like. I automatically pass on those deals right. just just off of that bias. Um, there, so there is definitely a negative selection bias problem that we'll face, right? Which is if Sequoia comes in and leads a seed round in a company and it's a great company, they're going to want to take the entire bridge round. Yeah. Um, and so one thing that we think sets us apart, which gives us access into those deals, which we haven't talked about yet, and is actually what we're most excited about, is a founder support program. What we're doing is we're creating a coaching program for founders and then also like a physical support program and like an emotional and mental health support program for all of our founders. So we, we believe in investing in people. We think that's the nucleus of any great company. Um, existential threat uh, in the early stages are management, interpersonal relations and execution. And there's stats around this. There's 30 to 40 percent of founders that deal experience emotional and mental uh health issues uh, or disruptions. That seems I, wildly, I, I under, that's wildly understated. No, like I just about to say, yeah. I said like 90%. It's 30% or 90, yeah. why? can why? be diagnosed with clinical depression. 30% yeah. can oh. be diagnosed with ADHD. Wow. It's about 29% can be diagnosed with like problematic anxiety to like where a clinician would diagnose yeah. Yeah. you with it. And there's some overlap, but that still ends up being like way over half of founders have like clinical problems. And all of these are things that like, mm -hmm. we think we can help founders address and give them tools to overcome. And like ADHD, for instance, is not necessarily a problem if you know how to address it. And yeah. it can actually be an asset. And it's kind of been taboo to talk about up until this point, right? But now there's some big, I mean, Jillian, I know you're an advocate of this. Yeah, and you've I spoken am. about it. What this really is, as Jake was saying, is like a founder support and development program. So what does that look like? 
What does that look like, Howie? So, exactly. So we're breaking it down into sort of three tranches. Mm -hmm. So it's physical health. So even potentially maybe working with a primary care doctor, figuring out nutritional habits, sleep, all that sort of stuff. On the emotional fitness side, that's more of the sort of mental health stuff. The third one is leadership development. Um, so physical health, emotional fitness, leadership development, it's very comprehensive. And so we're earmarking wow. a million dollars from the fund. We justify it because we feel like we're going to get into the best deals based on this program. So what happens, a question that I've always grappled with with these like stage-specific funds mm -hmm. is like, suppose you wake up one day and you get intro to the next Mark Zuckerberg that comes out of Stanford and he's never raised or she's never raised a dollar of capital in their life and you really love the business and you love the market and you love everything about the opportunity. Like... Do you pass on that deal? We, we start like, building the relationship in the seed. We won't invest, but we'll start we'll start building rapport with the founder. Yeah, we'll start like, helping in certain areas so that when they do raise the bridge, or we tell them it's, it might be in their best interest to raise a bridge because, as you know, the Series A is being stretched. Yeah, and, but where I'm coming from is like, so as an LP, I would want you to invest because I would worry that you just won't get access post the seed and, like, there might not ever be a bridge. Mm -hmm. And so, like... I just, I just think like your job is to get into the top companies and like whether you see them at this seed bridge stage or whether you see them at the seed stage, yeah. just like just get into okay, those so, companies. So there's a huge kind of gap between, what, what I'm seeing is there's a huge gap between seed and bridge, the bridges that we're investing in, right? So when you say get into the great, great companies at seed, arguably you're talking everything speculative. You're yeah. talking about like growth projections and metrics that are gonna happen down the road and yeah. you're really just betting on the person. The reason we like the bridge and that what we've seen is that when I when we invest in these particular bridge rounds, I have per unit economics I could look at. Yeah. These are not just projections yeah. and right. speculation on what's going to happen in the future. It's like, this is what I've done the past two years. And I know how to build a viable business on top yeah. of this great idea. And we're getting in on the upward trajectory here on that hockey stick curve. Right. And we get in right before the A. That's why it's like this, we think this is untapped opportunity because it's like this significantly discounted A. Series A is highly competitive, and as such, when a company gets it, their valuation tends to go up a lot. If Howie and Jake can sneak into these thriving startups right before the Series A, they're kind of getting Series A deals at seed stage valuations, which means if it works, their investment is worth a lot more money almost overnight. I'm wondering if you're going to be able to get in. I mean, even if you have the relationships. Yeah. I think the it's going to be, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're going to get be able to get in with that, with that le at that level. We'll get in. Trust us. Okay. <laughs> I just we don't. Will, I just um, don't and, think you okay. need to be so religious about. Like, I think you, if you, all of this, I think is alleviated if you, if you just say like, we're going to do seed and bridge, yeah. like we're going to do, like, I, we're I, okay I honestly both. don't feel comfortable doing seed anymore because I hear okay. these seed pitches and they're they're pre product pre revenue and I'm like. I don't know. Not all of them. You no. seem great. I just really? wonder whether yeah. we're getting caught up in the nomenclature the, yeah, when maybe. really the that. whole job is like, just work with great founders at the early stage, pre-product market fit, get a good valuation. Like, why do we need to label it as right. like a I'm bridge? We don't need to label it. It's not a label. Stage. It's just how you need to be at a certain point in your company life cycle for me to feel comfortable yeah. investing in you. That, and there's a totally. large opportunity for that to happen yeah. before I like to get as I, close up to the A as possible. Honestly, right. the but, label. But you can do that without labeling yourself as bridge, which I actually think 
is undermining this because yeah, of the me negative. Too. Me too. I, that's why. Because you guys are both smart. You've done very well. You have tremendous reputation, incredible integrity. I think putting yourself in a bridge is really actually boxing yourself yes. in to a corner that I don't think you guys need to be there. Yeah, I don't think but no one that else is touching worries. that. That's why I kind of like it. Yeah, but then nobody's all touching for a reason, <laughs> but, but, but it's different. Bridge is different now, Jillian. It's a different thing. Yeah, but it still comes with it, um, this sort of distress. It comes with I know, a negative connotation, and but, I know you want to redefine that. But who does that matter for? Who does that matter for? LPs. So I think the answer yeah. is the LPs are a lagging they're a lag you you're on the front end of this you're yeah. seeing that like a bridge is yes. not was no longer a bridge yeah. by analogy like i'm on fun two now and like lp is now like we kind of believe that precedes a thing three years later we're like not convinced yeah. we're no longer convinced it's not a thing mm-hmm. yeah. and they're just a lagging indicator so by the time that the bridge by the time you've won the nomenclature battle on bridge you've had to fight a lot of unnecessary battles I don't think I don't think we're actually having an argument about. <laughs> I think we're saying the same thing. This is not about strategy. I think it's semantics. No, yeah, it it's solely is. about semantics. Wait, Whether or not we draw. Jake, it is a bit about strategy because um, Daniel asked, "Would you start with them at seed?" And oh. you said, "No, we're going to wait till right before the A to where their bridge, right. where they have a bridge, and then that makes me." That concerns me because yeah, Jillian would want you to as an LP would want my my point is I don't think think you can get into really any of the good companies by just waiting that late right before the A to any good companies. The discussion of the wellness program was a really long answer to your question about average selection and this question too, which is just that we've talked to a lot of founders outside of our portfolio this year that are in you know hot deals mm-hmm. and have explained what we're working on mm-hmm. and it's like a light bulb goes off in their head and they smile and it's like it means a lot to them so i think we won't have trouble getting into deals that are hot deals because of the value add we're bringing um, i think that that really does move the needle with founders what's your target raise 20 million okay yeah so 20 we're looking thinking about 20 companies let's say average half a million dollar checks in yeah. 20 companies, a um, million dollars will go into the, the wellness program or yeah. the founder support program. So I love this, uh, I love the support piece. Um, I'd actually like to see this built out a little bit more. Um, I'd like to really better understand that because if that is one of your differentiators and I think it's a really important one, yeah. um, it's not even a differentiator, it's a, a huge value that none of us have. Yeah. And so um, that would be one reason I'd want to share deals, you know, regardless of seed, PC, you know, whatever you want to go in. You but should don't... talk to our program coordinator. She has the, all these amazing ideas that she's flushed out. She's, we're already speaking to some partners and yeah, we're just getting this off the ground. But I assume the way that's she... in your deck, yeah? yeah. Okay, well, I'd love to see the deck for sure. Great, but I would never invest in this if you if your selling point is a bridge. Mm. Sorry, because I think this so limits you and limits the deal flow, um, and also limits your capabilities. Yeah. Because I know the both of you and yeah. what you guys can do. I just don't understand. If we're talking about <laughs> semantics, I don't no, understand. No, it's not. It's optics. You're wrong. It's, no, no, the op- it's optics. Fine. So then, Howie. well, then if we call it something else, then you would invest in us. But after I, we'll call I, it seed XX. I can tell you what my experience was. I went out with a hundred percent pre-seed, and people asked me if a great person is a repeat founder who's raising two on six. Yeah. Yeah. You won't do it. And the first, I was like, yes. They're like, that's stupid. Like your job is to be in on the first institutional yeah. round yeah. these companies yeah. raise. And like you, the answer doesn't have to be you'll do it 100% of the time, but you should move the slider. 
I admire the fact that you push back because I was the same way. I'm like, I'm only going to do pre-seed. We're only going to do people who will fit within our box. And I realized that like I was missing out. That's right. great feedback because I really, I worry about uh, being criticized for strategy creep, sort of yeah. the exact opposite, which is we find three or four earlier stage companies and they say, hey, what's this that you guys did? I thought you said you were all, only investing in bridge, right? And so- um, Okay, some of this is messaging. The brand is critical right now, and I'd rather you not have such a, a laser-focused, sort of limited one. I'd rather you be a little bit more thought through on this. Thanks for the feedback, everyone. Yeah, I really appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Jake and Howie didn't get any takers that day. When we come back, three years have passed. And I call up Jake and Howie to ask, were Jillian Manis and the others right? Did investing in companies at this stage really take them somewhere? Or did it turn out to be a bridge to nowhere? This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company. It's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. So I caught up with Jake and Howie a few weeks ago and found out that the fund is alive and kicking. But before we get into that, I wanted to know what it was like for them to switch roles on our show. In 2017, this is like November 2017, you guys go from like investors on our show who are sitting alongside your peers, Jillian, Charles, and Daniel, to then you're making a pitch to them. You're on the other side of the table. What was that like? It sucks. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was great because that wait, that, Jake, you didn't care for it. No, no, I, I kid. I mean, it sucked because we were on the other side of the table, right? It's all it's nice to be the investor. It's not that being an investor is easy, but um, the dynamic in the room, you get to sit back, make a decision. You sort of have the power, the control, right. as opposed You're to not like the vulnerable one standing up in front of the mic is actually like a pretty high pressure, tense environment. Usually when you're, you're pitching an LP on the fund, it's really just a back and forth conversation. Um, 
as opposed to like standing in front of the mic and looking at the, you know, four faces, you know, glaring Mm -hmm. back at you. I think it was also um, a little bit more stressful because it was literally the first pitch Howie and I gave for the fund. Yeah. What stands out to you from that day? I distinctly remember Jillian at one point saying, why focus on bridge rounds exclusively? What are you going to do if you see the next Uber and it's a pre-seed round or a seed round? Are you going to just let it go? Right. Um, and the answer is no. You know, we had to, we adjusted the strategy where post-seed really is still the focus or we call the sweet spot for the fund. But sure. um, yeah, we're not turning any Ubers away if we find them, right? Oh, wow. So you did take their feedback. We did. We did. Jake, at one point you stepped in and like acted as a peacemaker between Howie and Jillian. You're like, I think we're both saying the same thing here. Yeah. There really was this idea that companies that needed to raise a bridge round or a second seed or a seed extension or whatever it is that you want to call it were fundamentally flawed in some way. They were struggling Mm -hmm. and were likely to die. And that is the myth that Howie and I were really setting out to dispel is that this stage was was fundamentally a bad place to invest. We thought, based on what we had seen in the market, that people just had that wrong. Like, it's a great place to invest if you know what to look for. But retrospectively, I think we've been proven right. Like, people don't talk about bridge rounds anymore, and they talk about seed extensions and seed plus rounds and mango seeds. And it's all... all... Mango seeds? Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> because they're big <laughs> seeds? Because they're big. Like, a mango has a big seed? Yeah. Stop. I, I I never use the word mango seed. I like post-seed personally. Yeah. What was the fundraising process like for you guys? Like, Howie, did you did you enjoy going out and pitching LPs? I, I enjoy it until I stop enjoying it. It's typically about, I think, after about a year to 14 months is when I start feeling burnt out. You know, it requires hundreds of meetings and lots of rejections and you got to you know have thick skin and you just got to got to have the right mindset for it otherwise it could be really defeating sure like what what was the most surprising pitch to an LP you've ever made oh sure a funny one uh so i'm going to change change his name to protect the innocent but um we'll call this guy Donnie so we were in Manhattan pitching a bunch of folks in New York and this is like the last meeting we're taking and the investor we're meeting with is late, running late to our hotel. He gets there, he shows up, pulls up in, you know, like a half a million dollar supercar, parks it in front of the hotel. Mm-hmm. When I say park, like he double parks because there's no parking in front of this hotel. He just like pulls up, stops in the street, gets out of his car and they don't have parking or valets, but he like finds the like bellboy and like throws his keys to him and says, you know, park this. And the guy's like, we don't do parking. And so he takes like a wad of money out of his pocket and just like shoves it into his hands and is like, I'm going to be meeting upstairs in the bar for the next hour. Like, make sure it doesn't get towed or nothing happens to it. What? And that's that's like how the meeting starts with this guy. So we're thinking this is going to be a like a total waste of our time. And this guy's just going to be a huge a-hole, right? This guy sounds like Russ Hanavan from... Uh... Silicon Valley. Oh, totally. Trace Comas, right? You do not want a Russ Hanneman on your cap table. And we don't want a Russ Hanneman as an LP because they have a certain amount of power. They have 
demands on you, on your time. But we ended up having like a great conversation. Uh, I wouldn't call him down to earth, but I would say like a very reasonable person. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I think the meeting went great. He wanted to invest. And then there were some like regulatory issues that didn't didn't get him into this first fund. But probably the most unique experience to kick off a meeting I've ever had. Wow. In the pitch room, you wanted to raise uh, a $20 million fund. How much did you end up raising in the end? Uh, just shy of $10 million. So half, about half of what you wanted. About half of what we initially wanted, yeah. When we, when we actually went out to start fundraising, we had reduced the target, I think, down to $12 million. It was coming together fairly slowly. Um, and it was in that window we were like, you know, like $12 million is the target, but do we really need to get to $12 million to execute on the strategy? And the answer was no, right? And so the idea is, you know, raise what we raised, go out, invested in great companies. And then in the next fund, we will have shown what we can do. And then we can raise, you know, the amount that we want to raise. So that was the that was the thought process. Got it. So where are you guys now? Like how many startups have you invested in? 40. What's funny is half of those 40 investments were not in companies at the bridge stage. They were actually in companies at the seed stage which is exactly what the investors in the pitch room were pushing for. Sounds like the investors in the room were right. Yeah, I mean, it was it's half and half based on number of investments, but it is, you know, 90-10 or 80-20 in terms of capital deployed. In terms of dollars. In yeah. terms of dollars. Got it. So I don't know. I guess you could say we were both right. Uh-huh. The other thing that's important to think about as a fund manager that I don't think is obvious is that even if the best strategy is to invest in pre-seed, seed, and post-seed, there is a lot of value to, at least from ex the external perspective, having a really clear focus. Because if you have no focus, you'll do any deal, but no one thinks about you for any deal, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to send this deal to Jake. No one ever thinks about that because they've got five people they work with. But if you're known for being the firm that does post-seed, and there's not a lot of sure. firms that do it, then someone's got a post-seed deal, they're going to send it to you. And so there is some marketing value to like carving out a clear niche and like putting your stake in the ground, um, even if you're actually willing to go outside your niche a bit. And Jake says that strategy is working. Five of the 40 startups they've invested in so far have gone on to raise a Series A, which is about what they expected. But the founder support program, that program that helps founders with their mental and physical health, is doing really well. Jake told me that that program really has helped them get into deals that otherwise they would have been excluded from. I think it's exceeded our, our wildest uh, expectations in every possible way. You know, what we ended up doing was we spun it out as a separate business. We've had firms, other firms reach out and say, can we send our founders through Atlas? And so we started partnering with other venture firms or we're taking their founders. And it's, it's totally unexpected when we launched the program. Wait, so it's become its own business where people can just come and pay Atlas directly? Yeah. Yep. Wow. So you haven't had any exits in the fund yet, which is to be expected, right? You're just three years into it. But presumably, it sounds like you're making money off the wellness program. Yep. We had had founders we, we were talking to where we passed on the company. And the founder's like, great, 
like I understand you don't want to invest, but can I can I still go through the program? Like, can we make that work somehow? What? <laughs> Sorry, I'm going back to school to become a therapist. <laughs> Jake found his true calling. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's next? Are you guys going to go out and start raising fun too next year? Uh, my stomach. I just got like a pain in my stomach. Um, we're exploring what what fun two is going to look like and what to do next. You know, I want to I want to spend the least amount of time on fundraising as possible. That's that's my goal. It sounds like you really don't like fundraising. No, right now. who does? I would love to talk to someone who loves fundraising. I don't know. Jake hasn't complained. Ugh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of fundraising either. But mm. but I love the job. Every day is something new and exciting. Like this is the perfect job for someone who is insanely curious and has a touch of ADHD because I have 10 meetings a day. They're all with different people on slightly different topics. I get to go deep with them and then flip to the next. As someone who's like super curious and like if you have like a an intellectual itch you want to scratch, uh, being an investor is a great thing to be because you get paid to educate yourself on a topic and you can reach out to the world's foremost experts on that topic, people who are building companies or technology around it and like play with their toys and like dig deep with them and maybe like go along for the ride. I don't think there's any other job in the world that gives you that opportunity. So uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And if it means I got to go out there and, you know, pound the pavement, um, even if that part's not fun to, to do some fundraising, then that's what I'm going to do. Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Chris Neary, Heather Rogers, and Max Gibson. We are edited by Blythe Terrell. Original music in today's episode from So Wiley, Breakmaster Cylinder, Emma Munger, and The Muse Maker were mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this episode three years ago. The Pitch is a Spotify original podcast. You can follow us on Spotify. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at The Pitch Show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you and your loved ones have a wonderful holiday. We'll talk again soon. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.